Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. We're talking about Batman Beyond. This is Bat-Ass Beyond. It's like four... See, we had started this once before and I screwed it up by saying the name of a different show and I made up for it by saying the correct name three different ways. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of evens yeah. everything off. Uh, my name is Clay McCormick. With me, as always, is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? Good, man. Good to be here. That's it, huh? <laughs> it's been... No. I tell you, I got I'm house hunting for an investment property. My wife got rear-ended. Uh, not by, that's not a euphemism. So I got my car <laughs> being, getting fixed. My other car, not just my Datsun. I still got the Datsun going on. Um, Batman... I got um, your pitch that you're doing with my wife um, for uh, Joker's kids book. And uh, yeah, I'm just getting some whiplash here. So I, I was trying for the last hour. I'm like working out. I'm like, I got to think of a story. Maybe I could just make one up. I can't not show up with a story. What kind of host am I? And uh, I'm just going <laughs> to come clean. I got nothing. I guess my story is the story of having nothing. Yeah. Well, it happens to the best of us, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> it's like a pitch for Seinfeld. Yes. Yes. We are talking about two episodes of Batman Beyond today. We're talking about The Winning Edge and Spellbound, so uh, we may as well just jump right into it. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll talk about The Winning Edge. All right, The Winning Edge, written by Rich Fogel, directed by Yukio Suzuki. And this one, slappers, illegal steroid patches containing the drug Venom are all the rage when Hill High School's, when Hill High School's athletes and Bruce suspect... Hold on a second. Let me, man, we're, we're both off tonight. I'm sorry. <clears throat> slappers... <laughs> Illegal steroid patches containing the drug Venom are all the rage with Hill High School's athletes. <laughs> Fucking this is terrible. <laughs> and Bruce suspects that one of his old Too late enemies. To stop now, buddy. <laughs> Bruce suspects that one of out. his old enemies, Bane, may have a hand in their production. However, Terry finds that Bane has become a withered old man due to his constant use of the poisonous drug, and a caretaker scientist named Chapel is using the drug to suit his own needs. Chapel douses himself with venom, but he's exposed to too much of the toxin, which leaves him halfway dead and crushed by broken debris. Um, this mm. so this reminded me. I couldn't stop thinking about this when they use those pe- those little pads the stickies the slappers with uh venom in them and it ah. seems to just like uh really vasculate one section of their body <clears throat> um oh boy. <laughs> i couldn't stop thinking about did you ever see the old conan o'brien skit where he had a character called hulk wrist no hulk wrist <laughs> was a character who was this mild-mannered guy but if you got him really angry he turned into the Hulk, but only between his wrist and his elbow. So it was just one single forearm that would turn huge and green. Like Popeye? Yeah, basically. It green? was it was really stupid, and I think they only did it like once. And I don't know why it made such an impression on me, but that was probably like no. 30 years ago. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. We uh yeah we're back. We've got a, a semi bane episode here, which is kind of like a PSA, uh, anti drug and steroid PSA. Um, yeah. you know, I'll be honest. For an episode that I thought could have been kind of lame, I I like this one. Hmm. Like I okay I I I I think I liked it because it it got quite a lot of story into it. I think these yeah. the, these two are actually really interesting in that way because I think there's they've managed to fit a lot of story into this one and then the the next one I don't think they got much story into it at all. But uh but yeah, what what do you think about this one? Uh for the return of Bane, I I wish this was a two-parter. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more about kids adjusting to high school and pressure from the coach and I I know it sounds like an 80s sitcom uh episode, but I think that that's where the meat of the story would be to really give you something below the surface about you know, kids and pressure and drugs and all that, but in a sci-fi way, which yeah. would be the spin. Um, especially with Bane being involved. Like, I would... It's cool that he's, you know, a shriveled old man in a chair, um, but I, I kind of would have maybe written him as pulling the strings in some way and he's around or some someone that Batman has to address. Like, imagine a Bruce faced off with Bane, not like a fist fight, but like, you know, Bruce did some of his own research and he found Bane on his own, like... I don't know. Like, there's a lot of stuff that could have been really great about this idea, and um, yeah, I just I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah, I think ultimately I don't love it. Um, I think yeah. I just uh, responded to how much story they managed to get into it. But as far as the Bane stuff goes, it's it's a pretty big letdown. Um, they basically yeah, open. They basically open yeah. the door and point at Bane and go, "Yep, there's Bane," and then they close the door, and that's the end of Bane <laughs> and the story. I know, and. Like, yeah. it's 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 strange, and in in how much that stuff doesn't land, even to the point where when they reveal who the villain is, they do this, you know, turn to the camera villain re- reveal, and, and Terry's like, "It's you," and I went, "I don't know who that is," and it's it took- the guy from the beginning that he first bumped into uh, and tied up. He happened to meet the bad guy. The first guy he ran into when he was like investigating that facility in South America. Yeah, he works at. He was one of the doctors at Bane's place, right? The place okay. where Bane is, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I I didn't realize that's who that was. Um, I put it together as I was watching it after after because all bad guys look the same. Is that what you're saying, Clay? Yes, I South mean, America. You put a goatee on anybody, you know they're the bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. It that's just why I never trusted Riker. Yeah, but. Uh, I just, it, the, that element of it, I didn't find super interesting. And, and the, uh, the fight at the end, which was just, uh, the bad guy is, <laughs> the bad guy is just Bane's friend. This how Bruce mm-hmm. refers to it, <laughs> which is, I want to see an action figure of Bane's friend. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, the thing I draw is obviously old Bane shriveled up in a yeah. sci-fi like holster chair, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. This kind of asymmetrical clamp on one side of him. His eyes are white, and you know, uh, I was kind of hoping he would turn into something. You know, yeah, a little bit of yeah. robot action or whatever. But yeah, yeah I, I get it. It is cool to just let him to show that there's a not so great ending to some of these classic villains. Like I, I do see the as a writer, I wouldn't cross that off my list necessarily you know what i mean yeah yeah i like what they i like the idea of what they do with bane here i, I it's just so quick it, it's uh yeah. there's really not much 
more to it than just that uh, they open the door and to the closet that Bane's per- per- perched up in, and then they uh, mm-hmm. then that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, the uh, I I I thought the one story thing that I actually did really like was I liked uh, Terry getting in trouble with his mom uh, yeah. over finding the the slappers in his backpack. Yeah. And yep. basically, he can't obviously tell her that he's working as Batman, and so there's a misunderstanding yeah. there, and he gets ends up getting punished. The one thing that I didn't know about that though is at the end, Bruce shows up with with uh, blood work. Apparently, I I don't remember his mom ordering Terry to take a blood test to show that he's clean. But yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, unless Mr. Bruce Wayne has like power of attorney over Terry or something. <laughs> yeah, that element was a little bit weird, but I did like the. Uh, the yeah. sort of uh, misunderstanding and having to cover like that. It felt very Spider-Man, that thing where he's mm-hmm. he's getting in trouble with his uh, parental figure and he can't tell her exactly why he does the things he does. And so I, I like that bit. Yeah. You know, when that part happened, I was thinking, just tell her that you're helping Bruce Wayne figure out some kind of, you know, crime thing. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, wait, she doesn't know that he's doing that. Right. <laughs> like, I know she knows she. He's not Batman, but she probably doesn't want him trying to solve crimes on the side when he's supposed to be in class mm-hmm. also. Just you know? say just say the the rich old man that you're spending all your time with is actually addicted to performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> um you know, when Terry's t- teacher gets all pissed off because Terry fell asleep in class, mm-hmm. and the teacher reprimands him by giving him a mini disc, yes, <laughs> telling him to bring it home to mom and show him. And I'm like, first of all, I don't know why, even as a writer in 1997, you didn't go, hey, I, I think maybe CDs are going to go away pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I think data can just be transferred with the internet, which we already have. Uh, but also... Considering how much data you could put on a MIDI disc, like what the hell kind of information is on that thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what is like on high that resolution disc? footage of him sleeping? Yes. I mean, what is on that disc that couldn't be covered in? I don't know. Say a slip of paper with some words written on it. Exactly. It, it yeah. The disc thing is just so weird to me that they uh, they st- stuck with that. You know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of. Um, in Star Trek, one of the, one of my favorite things about Star Trek, specifically the Next Generation, is that yeah. um, they have what amount to tablets or like iPads, uh-huh. um, but they all seem to be single use. So you always see Picard or Riker surrounded by like four or five tablets that I assume right. only <laughs> carry the information for the single thing that it, that one yeah. one specific element uh, is only. Is mm-hmm. all you can fit on one 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 tablet in this yeah. in this future? So I always thought that was kind of the, funny. It's, the two big technological crimes of Star Trek Next Gen up to now is whenever they're on an away mission and someone's carrying something, the equivalent of a a, a passenger bag is a clear giant tube <laughs> that looks really uncomfortable yes. to hold. Yes, it looks like a pair. Of, you know the sneakers that Marty McFly gets. In Back to the Future 2, and Mm -hmm. he pulls him out of that. It looks like that. Yes. It's like this sort of translucent, cloudy tube thing. It's like not even form-fitted. It's awkward as hell. I think it might even be square. I mean, that makes no sense. And then um, their other bright idea is uh, when the crew needs to use flashlights, they give them these like flashlight wristbands, which, again, you have to move your entire arm now if you want to shine (laughs) the light somewhere instead of just using your hand. 
Yes. No sense. <laughs> in the future, all duffel bags will be replaced with hard plastic tubes for some reason. <laughs> it's like an igloo cooler you take to the beach, but you, you strap it on yourself with like a shoelace or something. It's yeah. like, what? It always, of all the amazing design you guys have. It always reminded me of the thing at the bank that you put into the vacuum tube if you're going to go through the drive-thru. It has That's what it looks like. The middle it's like a the middle. giant master version of that. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of future things, we see the return of future Highlight, which I, I enjoy. I yep. couldn't I couldn't figure out why the coach attacks Batman. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it, they just did it because they needed an action scene at that point in the show, and it would. <laughs> they he attacks him with the Highlight suit, which right. apparently is like two giant hammer fists. Yeah, and I don't think the rest of the team was there, so that guy was just getting in reps on his own, I guess. <laughs> What's the point of the speedy bike helmet? Like, why is that thing um, uh, I don't know. so aerodynamic? Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know the, the physics of how that game works inside that giant tube. No. Maybe it's they're in like a big air Well, so Terry gets thrown in and he immediately starts floating. Mm-hmm. So it's zero G in there. Yep. Um, and during the fight, somehow the coach is able to maneuver. But Terry has rocket boots, so he should be better off in there to mm, propel himself. Right. Um, and then when he throws the coach, uh, he's then standing like gravity's returned. But I don't know if that's Terry's like magnetic shoes or whatever, you know? Yeah. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> How would you describe that game? I was trying to think of like, what what am I looking at here? It's like air hockey meets like competitive bicycling <laughs> meets lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what would you call that? I, I mean, I think the closest analog is, is highlight, but I, I don't I don't even know how highlight yeah, works. Better. Um, yeah. so I don't know if that's exactly I, what it is, but, and the only place yeah. I know highlight from is the opening credits of Miami Vice, so I can't tell you anything about it. I don't even know how to spell high. I know highlight spelled really weird. Oh, J-A-I-A-L-A-I. Thank yes. you, English dictionary. <laughs> right, let me see. Oh, shit, no. It took me to some highlight porn site. What the hell? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's see. We got a sport involving bouncy ball while accelerating at the high speeds. Handheld wicker pesta. It's a variation of basquetpoleta, so I'm guessing this is South American. Uh, I can read it into more. Yep, Spain and France and Latin American countries. Okay. So it's, right. is it just like whipping a ball against the wall and catching it and whipping a ball against the wall, like kind of what they do in the show? Uh, yeah, it looks like... So in a highlight court, is it looks like... Um, racket a, a long racquetball uh court so you got like glass windows on one side it's really long and yeah. i guess people can sit on the other side so you know what highlight is actually a pretty good start for describing this considering you and i don't know what highlight is that's actually pretty close <laughs> to what we're seeing in batman beyond yeah i mean it's i like just floating highlight uh, yeah the only the only reason i assumed it was that was because of the 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 catcher thrower thingy that they have on their on their arms it looks very similar to the highlight thing yeah um yeah, you know, I, 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 as I mentioned the last time they showed up, I love future sports. I think, I think they're generally hilarious. So it's nice to see the return of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how much there is really to talk about this one because it's, it's. Uh, I think for quick derailment. Yeah, sure. For you. Did you ever buy a mini disc when they were coming out after CDs? Mini no, disc, mini disc I, players. I actually. In college, I had a uh, a suite mate who was moving out. Um, this was probably like junior year of college, and he had a mini disc player, 
And uh-huh. I don't know if he just upgraded to an iPod or something. And he was like, hey, do you want this? I'm going to get rid of it. And I said, sure, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Not that I needed it, but I never had one. So I was kind of right. curious. And uh, even though he gave it to me for free, I don't think I ever used it. <clears throat> I'm looking at it right now. It is a pretty cool looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like If I'm going to draw a musical device in a comic, I would rather draw a nice Sony MD Walkman mini disc player. Because it's got buttons and tubes and little twisty things on it. It's more interesting looking than an iPod. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So the discs, do they actually come out? Could you hold it? Or is it always encased inside of a plastic case? The like plastic is the whole thing. You just slide the whole plastic piece into the, into the player. So the disc inside that spins then? Yes. Well, I like that you can't ever scratch it. That is a plus. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know how it how it does so, with uh, like skipping and stuff though. Thank yeah. you for thank you, you remember, for joining uh, us as we <laughs> both look up and then eventually buy mini disc players on eBay. That's that's where we're going with the end of this episode. It's really cool, man. I I, I wish these things had stuck around longer longer bleh, longer. Do you? I, I do refer. Because <laughs> I mean, look at look huh. at those discs. I mean, they're smaller than CDs, yeah. and they're like hard plat. I bet those are a bitch yeah. to store. You know, the fact that you had to rebuy all of your favorite shit is pretty daunting. Like, Tommy Lee Jones was right in Men in Black. Yes. When he has an even smaller mini disc, and he complains about having to buy the White Album again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just nuts to me that they convinced everybody, hey, you got to buy vinyl. Vinyl's going to be around forever. These things are amazing. And then it goes, uh, hey, you know what you need is better than vinyls? A-track players, because mm-hmm. they fit in your car. Hey, hey, you know what you need now is cassettes, which I guess are kind of similar, but slightly better. Actually, I don't know what the I don't know what A-tracks actually did differently than cassettes. Do you? Um, I, I think I actually no, I don't. I was gonna say I, I think I thought A-tracks might have been fewer songs or something, but I just think it's a bigger technology because I the way these things generally go is it's it starts with fidelity and then it moves through. Um, uh, convenience and then on the other end of the convenience t- tube it comes back out to fidelity on the other end so basically it right. starts off with vinyl which is you know high fidelity the best sound whatever whatever but then they want people want more um, convenient things so then it's like well how do I listen to this in my car a track player well how yeah. do I make it more convenient you get smaller oh but then CDs can hold more stuff and it's a better sound supposedly and then then you get yeah. into digital which is the most convenient and i guess it's probably the most convenient and the highest quality and then once you get out of that event horizon you're back to vinyl again because you're yeah. strip people want the extra stuff not just the uh the a la carte stuff yeah so i guess when uh cassettes came out they did not sound nearly as good as a tracks uh that's not surprising you could not yeah. rec- you can't record over eight tracks. You just bought the rec- the album and you could play it. Yeah. Um, it had four tracks instead of two because the cassette had two tracks. I guess I'm not sure what that means. Um, it made a giant click noise, which annoyed people, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but as, as cassettes got better, they just decided to switch over to cassettes. But it's funny because eight tracks and cassettes don't seem that different. I mean, they're just using magnetic tape inside and right. two little wheels. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy that you convinced everybody, like, hey, 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 stop buying eight tracks, buy everything again, but in cassettes. 
And then they did it again with CDs. And then when they had mini CDs, the human beings were like, no, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy updating my VHS into DVDs right now. Yeah. I can't be well, fucked to you know, do this too. What's funny with mini discs though is it's like I feel like there's always one of these things, right? And there's always one new form of media that comes out yeah. like just too fast. So I feel like everybody yeah. kind of recognizes that uh, this is kind of like a placeholder until the next thing comes, like the real next step forward comes totally. out. So you got your CDs, yeah. and then it's they're kind of like laser discs, right? You've got VHS, and then laser discs come out, and it's like not real. It's better, but it's marginally better, and it's less convenient. So you're not really taking a big step forward, and it just feels like right. a placeholder until they figure out how to do that better and more efficient. And so right. those ones are the ones that don't catch on. You're right. It's like um, TurboGrafx-16 or uh, 3DO. Um, yeah, after, yeah. you know, right before PlayStation hit, there was like three or four consoles that tried and they were, everyone, they were like, no, it's not. Also, video game systems were switching to like polygrams and uh, it was sort of a new technology. It wasn't really pixel-based anymore. And um, yeah, I think that's why those things failed until PlayStation started to kick a whole bunch of ass. Yeah, I I wanted one of those systems. I really wanted a Neo Geo system, <laughs> but I oh yeah, that was based on me seeing uh, I think one game that it played. I don't remember which one uh-huh. it was. It might have been like Altered <laughs> Beast or something like that. It was one game oh, where I was like, I need to play that game, and it was only available yeah. on Neo Geo. And uh, I'm pretty sure nobody actually owned a Neo Geo, so I probably my parents probably. No, yeah. Don't I only bought uh, Xbox because of Halo. If it wasn't for Halo, I think Xbox would have failed. And Halo was holding it, uh, was keeping it valid for two years before they started to create good games. Really? Um, I think that's how the history works. Yeah, I think, thank God for Halo or the Xbox would have been dead yeah. after a year. I was I was really against, um, this is how behind the times, I, couldn't, I actually couldn't look forward in the disc the realm of discs because i was really against uh disc based games like i didn't i was not interested in the playstation when it first came out because Mm -hmm. mainly because the discs took too long to load i liked the cartridges where you could just pop them in start the game and you were good to go so i was always a i was an n64 person and then uh, of course you know i lost that battle and then once i got once i got to see what you could do on the disc based games i was like oh no this is way better why i don't know why you would ever go back to the cartridges <laughs> and then they came back with cartridges for uh, the Switch, and um, that's right. Yeah, uh, another one did. Yeah, well, they're not really cartridges, but actually, I guess they are. They're basically giant microchips or smaller ones now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, are they? Is that kind of like uh, similar to Game Boy, the, the Game Boy discs or the cartridges? For the Game yeah, Boy? they're the size Skinny. of your thumbnail. Honestly, oh, wow. they're literally okay. tiny, and um, they, you buy this giant plastic case. And then inside is a tiny microchip that says you're like a, a penny. And uh, they're really easy to lose. And I'm not sure why people buy them when you can just download the game on the, sh- the shop. Mm-hmm. for you, you pay the same cost. Uh, I don't know. I mean, some people, I guess, like the system of having their stuff on the shelf or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm not really sure why Switch does that and why it's making money. Because it's not like it's cheaper to buy the physical version you know what i mean right right yeah i don't yeah. know yeah. yeah it's weird it must work for a reason i just someone to explain it to us <laughs> yeah i actually Uh-oh. bought my uh the first i bought my first video game uh uh i pre-ordered my first video game ever 
couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. I pre-ordered the Evil Dead game that just came out. Uh, usu- oh, I saw you and uh, Debray talking about that. Yeah, usually, yeah. usually I wait like a couple years and then it gets really cheap and then I buy it. Um, but uh-huh. I wanted to play this one when everybody was still playing it, so uh, I actually spent the money and, and got it first thing. And I think it's great. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's it's really hard. Like the, you've, uh, it's a really dynamic game that uh, changes pretty differently depending yeah. on who's playing. <laughs> Do you remember the first video game you ever bought? Um. <laughs> yes, I do actually. Well, the I'm first hoping it's a wrestling game. No, it's not. I remember the first video game I ever owned, which was I got the NES system for Christmas, and it came with uh, a split cartridge that was Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunter. But right. I also got Ghostbusters, that uh, unbe- unbelievable Ghostbusters game for the NES. Oh, is that LJN? I think they made that. I don't even know if it was that. Maybe, but it was. It's yeah. it's a tr- an atrocious game that actually you can't beat because there's a bug in it, so you can't actually beat it. Um, right. But the first game that I actually bought with my own money, you know, I, I don't remember the first one, but I remember the most infamous one, which was I had saved up money because I wanted to get the Superman game for N64. And uh, I did not realize at the time that that was going to go down in history as one of the worst video games ever made. Uh, But I got it, (laughs) and it sure was. That's great. I I begged my parents for a an NES. I was born in 1980, so it came out in 84, 85. I had a neighbor who had one, and it was amazing. And uh, my mom, she just would not, she just wasn't into buying me things. Um, <laughs> I asked for my birthday, I asked for Christmas, she wouldn't do it. And I was so obsessed with video games that whenever I got a chance to play them, I was like addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like not having sugar. When you visit your friend's house, you're like, oh my God, right. give me all the cookies. Right, you know. Right. So I had a friend in, in the Catholic school and his he was an only child. So his parents bought him everything. He had like all the Atari games, all the Nintendo games. Um, so finally I convinced my parents to buy me an Atari 2600, which was like, it just came down to 50 bucks and, uh, it was, Atari was already dead. They just Mm -hmm. had a bunch left in the warehouse, I think when they (laughs) had this deal. Mm -hmm. So they finally, they got me an Atari and I went to the store and I bought River Raid, which is one of the better Atari games and Adventure, which is technically the first, uh, or one of the first D and D games, sort of, um, on a console like and you basically are a yellow square wandering around a flat <laughs> like flatland style castle it was it sucked i mean it gets street cred points for being the first um but it was not good mm-hmm. uh, and then i saved up to uh buy a sega genesis because i I'd never had a nintendo because i just had to save and save and save and by the time i had money i'm like well why would i you know obviously i'm gonna buy sega genesis mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I finally got a Nintendo like 10 years ago and I've gone and bought all the Nintendo games I've ever wanted. <laughs> and, uh, you've seen it, Clay. It's yes, in my, I have. Yes. I have a custom built shelf in my studio and these things are like, I gotta be honest, I barely play it, but looking at all those gray cartridges lined up, just mm-hmm. the promise of fun. It's just, it still makes me smile. I don't know what it is. And it's because my stupid mom just denied me this joy when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you know, in the long run, she did something good for you because now it brings you joy. It was just a, it was exactly. just a long investment on that. It was like a savings bond of joy, which you yeah. can't cash it in she until it's a, matured. Yeah. 
I'm sending you a picture of Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're sh- the video game for Nintendo, and uh, they're shooting that big painting of um, the villain. I forget mm-hmm. his name. Vigo, the Carpathian. <laughs> Vigo. You know, for NES 8-bit, it's not a bad rendering of Vigo. <laughs> that That is a hundred times better than the, the original NES Ghostbusters game. It's, yeah. The NES yeah, Ghostbusters over that game one. is just trash. It was The NES one looks like the Atari version, which was also trash, but slightly better graphics. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of, of what that looked like. Uh, I got it right here. Oh, you do? Uh, okay. Please send me your... No, you, you go ahead and send it. That's fine. <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is just this is just great podcasting. We're talking about <laughs> stuff that has nothing to do with what, what the concept of the show is, and we're sending each other images that the listener can only... Great. Hope to yeah, conjure can... a, a, a vivid imagination, a, vi- a vivid picture in their imagination of what we're talking about. I mean, last week we uh, spent an hour gushing over Mike Mignola's uh, vampire stuff. Right. People, yeah. Hopefully we sold a few extra copies of that. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so getting back to Batman, yeah. then, uh, let's give it a grade. And tell me what you want to draw. Uh, what would I want to draw in this? Um, drawing, <laughs> I, want to draw, I want to draw Bane's friend. I was gonna say like I'd love to draw the 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 highlight game. No, I'm I would like to draw Bane's friend. Just a a buff. He looks like a roided out version of the guy from Go West, who the sings mm-hmm. uh, King of Wishful Thinking. Just a guy in a tank top mm-hmm. and some jeans. Yeah, with some big muscles, like right said Fred yep. with a with a goatee. <laughs> I'm actually a uh, fan of right said Fred mm-hmm. to some mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. Not the not the I'm too sexy for my shirt. That's the obvious one. That's the top forty one. You like you're oh, not you cool like, if you like that one. You like the album cuts from, from Red Set Fred. <laughs> <laughs> this one song called uh, "You're My Mate" and it's about a gay guy singing to his straight friend, slowly getting him drunk. And uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. All the innuendos in there. <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds very above board. Yeah, that's great. Is this is this picture? Is this adventure? It is. Wow. See that green thing? Yeah. That is a dragon. Yikes. You are that you are that yellow square. I do remember um <laughs> when when I was a kid, we went to my dad's boss at the time had a had a cabin up on I think Winnipesaukee. And so we would go up there in mm-hmm. the summers. And the first time we went up there, I was, you know, video game crazy. So I was like, Ooh, what is there any is there a Nintendo here? There was not a Nintendo. There was an Atari and I had never played an Atari before. And I hooked that thing up. I played it for about thirty seconds and then I shut it off. Because <laughs> once once you go forward, it's it's very hard to go back because it, even Nintendo yeah. is such a big jump over Atari that it's uh it's quite quite a shock if you try to go backwards. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. What would you uh, what would you rate this episode? Uh what did you say? Three? No, I I don't I don't know actually. <clears throat> I, you know, I enjoyed it, but I think I might give it a two because mm. it's like there's, a, I don't know, it just feels like they fit a lot of story in, but it feels like kind of unrealized potential in some places. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't know why I'm not feeling very generous with this one. I don't know either, man. Um, I'm going to go... I feel like I keep going to threes for a lot of these because they're fine. They're not great. Right. right. They're not awful. They're just sort of lacking um, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll go. You know, I'll join you. We'll go too. Yeah. Just, just why not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so down. And I'm, I'm really looking. Sorry. No, go ahead. 
I just I'm I'm bemoaning the fact that they didn't turn this into a two parter yeah. and have more of Bane in it somehow. Like he can still be a destroyed old man. You can still keep him in the chair, but I'd love some kind of confrontation with him and Bruce. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's interesting though, because like <clears throat> if you have Bane moving around, like he's still in the chair, he's moving around. Ultimately, the story you're gonna get out of him is the same, right? It's ultimately, oh, this is what happens when you abuse drugs or steroids you end up as this crippled husk right so like i can kind of understand the thought process where it's like well we could dick around for another episode and have him like talking and stuff and ultimately end up at the same point or we can just kind of cut yeah. to the chase and, and just do what we're going to do here um but yeah i i agree i i don't know what capacity i would want more of him but uh i do think that it's a little bit more Bane would be would be beneficial, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will talk about Spellbound. Okay, Spellbound, written by Robert Goodman, directed by Butch Lukic. In this one, a villain known as the Spellbinder uses hypnotic technology to orchestrate a string of robberies, turning his victims into unwitting accomplices. Uh, The first thing I wanted to mention about this one is kind of comes off of the last one. Um, The lead jock guy who's all juiced up and is is robbing places for for money is a character named Mason who is dating this girl on the show named chelsea and it mm-hmm. this one chelsea has already moved on to another guy so she is she is not wasting any time she's just moved from mason i mean it's 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 a it's a very i can see she's maybe she's trying to settle down or something because the guy that she's kissing in this one is like much more of a nerd he's more of like a middle of the road kind of straight laced guy whereas mason clearly is, the, is a felony is a felon so she's the chick that was dating she we met this character before right i I assume so. I, she's definitely in Winning Edge, and then the, she shows up again in this one. I, I'm assuming we've probably seen her before she, that. When uh, the kid, the nerdy kid, steals, a, gets bonded together with a big mech, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't she the girl who was kind of hitting on him? Probably. She's the hot girl in high school. I think that's her role. So I think we've seen her in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, but this is the first time we see her with a hairbrush sticking out of her ass yeah i'm like what is that on her back a battery pack or something is that a game boy or obviously it's a mini disc player yes yes it's a gigantic mini disc player that slides into your butt crack also called a cd player yes (laughs) (laughs) that's what they they should have they should start selling cds again as jumbo mini discs um i don't know why i'm laughing it's so stupid (laughs) But uh, uh, but yeah, yeah th- this one this one's kind of weird for me because well, I guess it, it it explains the eyeball thing from the opening credits. That hand with the eyeball in it, I guess, belongs to oh, Spellbinder. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I didn't even catch that. But this one, uh, what do you think of this guy as a villain? He's he's basically he's basically he's an angry a, school counselor. Yeah, he's an who angry rides st- around. On a giant speeder that looks like an inverted exclamation point. Yeah, it looks but like. But it's also shaped 
like a bee stinger and it it's insane i kept trying every time it came on the screen i leaned in i'm like what is that yeah thing? are they going to explain where he got it i think i think the brand <laughs> manager probably saw this dork coming a mile away and so when he came in he was like you look like <laughs> you look like the kind of guy who needs a giant flying doorknob and he just you know fleeced him for it yeah i don't it it's so weird looking First of all, I want to draw it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know what it is. It's so bizarre looking for a vehicle. It's like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like how, he sits on it like like Green Goblin, kind of you know, uh, with his legs apart, kind of his his elbows on his knees or whatever. Yeah. Kind it does. Of it, does <laughs> it does not look very conducive for flying on. It's very no. strange. He's perched on it very strangely. And when he when he goes forward and he's going to attack you, this, instead of the exclamation point being facing down, the it moves forward. So now it looks like a big stinger. It's I don't know. It's so weird. Um, I thought the design on that was crazy. And then they're like, "Well, we got to design the guy." And they're like, eh, "Just give him a swirly face." Yeah, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's kind of a, a he's kind of a cross between. He's like a high school version of uh, Mad Hatter and Scarecrow. Very similar kind of power set where he's mind controlling and um, creating Absolutely. visions yeah. and stuff. And uh, and like this whole episode was there was actually not a lot of dialogue in this. It was a pretty action forward episode. And um, I guess your mileage may vary with that because I didn't really care for this guy as a villain. And uh, the story was about as straightforward as you could get. And uh, yeah, it was it was fine. It was uh, angry school high school counselor was upset that he had to teach or help these spoiled brats yep. as if they were all wealthy. But as far as I can tell, it's a public school. Well, he did. Um, he did pick and, out all the wealthy kids to go after. So, so he did. So then he talks them. He fools them into. He gives them dreams that makes them go in and rob their the place. And then he takes. Like, it's such a. I don't know, man. It's it's such a theatrical way to steal from high school yes, kids' parents. It is you know? an extremely <laughs> long way for that villain to go for his ham sandwich. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's yeah, like <laughs> he has to he has to hypnotize Chelsea and make her see a vision that she's in a Indiana Jones thing and has to cut her way through the vines of the forest so she can walk into her dad's office and grab what apparently is an $80,000 statue and bring it out outside and then drop it into the river. He doesn't even take it from her. She drops it into the river and then he collects it afterwards. It's very strange. It is so much work. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it's funny. The, the music in this episode is wild because you start out with the traditional song and you've got a few, you know, sweet licks of that, you know, whammy guitar sound throughout mm-hmm, the episode. Mm-hmm. But then you have an episode, uh, a scene where Terry is hallucinating and he's in a game show. So you have, you know, let's throw in some Batman game show music. And then you've got her in the jungle, like Indiana Jones. And they've got that. I mean, there's got to be like four vastly different genres in this episode. Yeah. Just, I think it shows the range of the composer, which I think might still be Shirley Walker. Uh, I think Shirley Walker, I believe, did the theme song, but the actual music for each episode okay. is a guy. I think his name is Christoph Beck. Let me look that up before I okay. before I say quote me. On I'm that. glad because I 
as much as hard as I am on the music in this, I'd hate to be bagging Shirley Walker. Uh, I'm going to look up when she died. I'm sorry. She might have actually. Christopher Carter. I don't know who Christoph Beck is. I don't know where that name came from. So she died in two, oh, 2006. All right. She might have been responsible for some of this stuff. Oh, Christoph Beck is a composer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I got that name from. <laughs> uh, did you, oh, Christoph Beck did a lot. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the Muppets and Ant-Man. Wow, he's a very well-known composer. I guess he just, Hawkeye, WandaVision, I guess he just managed to, oh, he's the oh he's half of the, the duo that did the songs for Frozen and stuff. Okay, yes, gotcha. Well, uh, so Shirley Walker uh, worked with Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. We already knew that. Mm-hmm. She also worked with John Carpenter on Escape from L.A. <sighs> Oof. Yeah. I actually uh, don't, Memoraz. I don't actually remember the music from that movie. At all. So maybe it's great. I don't know. The soundtrack of Escape from L.A. is amazing. I had the tape, the cassette tape of that. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and it was awesome. Like, that's where I discovered the band Clutch. And um, they had a good Megadeth. Uh, what am I? No, I'm getting mixed up with Last Action Hero. Ah, <laughs> Both yes. of those movies. Like, the soundtrack made up for the fact that the movie sucked. Hey, I will go to the mat for Last Action Hero. Movie and soundtrack. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm going to send you Escape from L.A. Uh, soundtrack. You can see all the sweet bands. <coughs> Excuse me. Is this, um, this is right in the pocket, though, of like uh, <clears throat> my most infamous CD purchase, which was the soundtrack to the Judge Dredd movie, which I didn't mm-hmm. actually, I don't think I ever listened to it, but I just got it because it was Judge Dredd, and I knew Judge Dredd was a comic book. I used to do that, too. But it was a lot of like, you know, White zombie B sides and uh, Chemical Brothers B sides and bunch bunch of crap basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, so tell me, a B side is the song on the side two of the record that the band knew wasn't as good, and that's since become like slang for the songs that bands know aren't as good. A B side that that comes from when a band would put out a single. <clears throat> It would be the 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 song on the other side of the single. So, like, if you were the Beatles, okay, your uh, your A side single would be like "She Loves You," and then on the B side, it would be like a, a lesser known, um, <clears throat> a song that wasn't expected to be a radio as big a radio hit kind of thing. A lot yeah. a lot of times, it was a- extra songs and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the soundtrack from Escape to L.A. We have the bands. We have got Tool on there. Yep. White Zombie, Toadies, Butthole Surfer, uh, Sugar Ray. Sugar Gravity Ray. Kills. Early early appearance yeah. of Sugar Ray. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tori Amos. Oh, wow. Ministry. <laughs> One of these things Ministry's is not like the other. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Ministry and Tori Amos. Uh, Orange 9mm. Clutch, which I like Clutch. This is one of the first big uh, exposures. Uh, Sex Pod, CIV, and Deftones. All right. Okay. <laughs> But when you watch this, each song comes on for like eight seconds and they turn it down. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was like oh, yes. studio obligated. Yeah, one of those. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm In at- fact, I agree with you. You're the one that first said to me, you hate when they play a song and they don't commit to it. Yeah, oh, I hate And that. now hate whenever uh, you're, and I'm, you've got me, I agree with you 100%. Every, anytime a good song comes on, I'm just counting in my head and I'm like, all right, how long can we listen to this before it's okay to turn it off, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, for example, in The Batman, when they play um, Something in the Way by Nirvana, uh, it's planned for a while. Like, they commit to oh, at least they... 
they commit 30 to that seconds song. of it. That's and like, then they cut to Bruce Wayne in the Batcave, and Alpha comes in, and you see him turn the radio down like he's been listening to it the whole time. But it kind of works. It's great. Well, in the, in the Batman, I think they make up for it by essentially basing the entire score around that song. So they kind of make, yeah. they got their money's worth out of that one. You know, in, that's right. They leaned into that like nothing else I've seen. In in retrospect, now that I'm looking at the Judge Dredd soundtrack, maybe I should have been nicer to it because it's. Uh, right. I mean, maybe not because it's mostly bands I don't know. It's the Cure, the The Cocteau Twins, White Zombie, Left Field, and Original Motion Picture Score by Alan Silvestri. I only know two of those: mm. one, two, three, four, five bands. But I know who Alan Silvestri is. But uh, I'm going to say yeah, I'm probably sure. not. I'm probably not missing anything with the judge dread soundtrack left field huh never heard of those that. are the big bands or is that all the band? wait i got the the back of the cassette right here block war we created you council chaos angel family new world i've never heard of any of those bands i think oh i think uh, those those things that you're listing off are the um piece, okay, pieces of the, the score the the that's the pieces okay. of the score by alan silvestri <clears throat> yeah, so all, it's The Cure, The The. Mm-hmm. That's the laziest name for a band I've ever heard. Correct. Uh, White Zombie gets pretty fast with me. Cucho Twins left. Yeah, you're right. There's only like five different bands here. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I still have that. I bet I still have it somewhere. Do you think, when you, everyone, stop what you're doing. Go online now and look at Judge Dredd <laughs> with Sylvester Stallone. Let's get a, let's get a, uh, let's get a sales me. bump on the Judge Dredd soundtrack, everyone. <laughs> just go out there and just download it or order the CD or, or the cassette or something. Let's get look, it back on the list. Just, look at Stallone's lips under that mask. Tell me he's not wearing red lipstick or a ton of gloss. Oh, I'm sure he is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I also... I feel like that helmet... I, I feel like they photoshopped out his nose. Because if, oh, you, shit, if yeah. you look at the, the space above his lips, that's like two inches. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it, yeah. it looks fine. Like, it looks like Judge Dredd, yeah. but I don't think a, a human actually looks yeah. like that. You know, it gets switching to Robocop for a second. Let, which I let's, mind. please. I can't believe they were able to hide his nose. It looks like they took removed his nose and put the helmet on. Yeah. The way that the gray co- is so flesh, flush with the rest of the face, the rest of the profile. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Yeah. No. Like, Weller must have, like, a really flat nose, and I just never noticed. Yeah. I mean, it's also just one of the, I mean, top top five best costumes ever created in movies <laughs> yeah that's true the one that didn't even work when he spent all those t- months rehearsing how to walk like a robot yep that's what you get for <laughs> working you know, with a mime for six months i was watching a uh a documentary on uh Verhoeven, and they were going to give him empire strikes back oh boy early in his career yes yeah. <laughs> right that would have been something else <laughs> yeah I'm sure he wasn't in the running for that long. I, I would I would like to see that version, if only to see at the end, where instead of being frozen in carbonite, Han Solo just gets exploded in the gooeyest squibs anyone's ever seen in their life. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, man, we're all over the place in this podcast. Yeah. We're not even really talking about no, the episode. Not, not super focused tonight. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, well, I mean, this. Ep- I got a rant. I got a. I got a comic book news rant that I'm saving to the end. Okay, uh, I'm okay. just gonna fl- flag that now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. This, this episode, it's it's just it's more of an action episode, and it's it's kind of the same thing. Uh, like, there's like, what? Where, where I, does this? I, where does this guy get? It's like high tech shit. 
floating, you know. What do you mean, Stinger and all this stuff? <laughs> I'm still out here. Someone's. I've given. I've got a connections. It's like he stole from the brand manager uh, and didn't know what to steal, so he just took whatever he could find and he left. And the brand manager came back and he's like, "Oh, that stuff's missing. I don't know how. Who's gonna? Who's never gonna sell a a, a, a swirly tights costume to anybody?" Oh, please. Anyway, whatever you do, don't take the swirly one piece bodysuit. Whatever will I do if someone steals that? <laughs> That's brilliant. Can you cut out me? Fumbling over that joke before you got to it much better than me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, so the, the the thing about this one though is like honestly, um, this would probably be probably be a blast to draw as a story mm-hmm. because you get to draw three or four completely like you're saying three or four completely different genres of stuff. Like you know, I I I think as far as what I would want to draw, I think the the stereotypical answer would be well, when the zombies show up at the end, that would be fun to draw for me. But also, I was right. thinking like, well, I mean, that Indiana Jones thing at the beginning would be pretty fun. I've never drawn anything like that. You got giant bug monsters, that's pretty fun. Uh, I think there's a third one in there. I forget what it is. Oh, the 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 apocalypse now sequence that would be kind of fun. You know, it's it's so much different stuff that it is it is very fun from an artistic standpoint. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Spellbinder is a pretty forgettable villain for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention that I actually created a char- a costume for a Beyond villain named Rewire. Right. That's right. Yeah. Did uh, paste it so you can see it. Why didn't we use that guy uh, in the book? <laughs> I. T- Fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I totally forgot, man. Um, so as I'm looking for uh, references for um, stuff we're talking about, I came across the we rewire design, mm-hmm. and it looks like they kind of stuck to what I came up with. And I must have designed this ten, ten or more years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. That's a cool picture. Um, it's a Spellbinder, Shriek, Rewire, and Ink all just kind of like hanging out. It's a, that's a cool shot. So here's my original sketch. I know I'm doing the thing where people can't see, but. So it's 2013 I designed it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realize it was that late, actually. I tried to keep it. So my idea for his mask is it looks like a, a socket, like a, when you plug something into the wall. Oh, yeah. But upside down. Yeah, that's cool. So you can see like the half circle on this. Yeah. So I tried to keep him electrical based, and I gave him gloves that had like power symbol on it. And um, yeah, I, I also tried to keep it really clean, like a Bruce Tim style. So Tim could... If it was ever going to be animated, it would kind of work, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I lo- You're right. It should have used rewire. What the fuck? Yeah, that is such a swing and a miss. <laughs> I I uh, mean I don't know man. anything about that character, so I didn't know anything about Jason Todd. Don't tell anybody. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, we know, Sean. I think yeah. <laughs> Take the secrets out, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I threw myself under the bus many times for that. I even wrote a, an essay in the back of uh, the book that's coming out um, this week. Let me see what's in the back of it. No, sorry. I wrote about Bruce and Harley. Never mind. But anyway, yeah. And one of the essays in the back of the comics, I actually threw myself under the bus and explained that I didn't really know anything about him. <laughs> I screwed up and I'm sorry. And thank you for not getting too mad. Uh, I like the, uh, the the phone cord coming out of the back of Rewire's head. That's kind of a cool touch. I like that. Yeah, old school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would you it want to draw? Sort of doesn't make sense, but 
I would draw his uh, weird glider thing. Yeah, yeah. Just because I don't understand it. It's such a, th- it stands out so bizarre that I have to draw, draw it, you know? Yeah, yeah. What did you think <laughs> of you? the, uh, I, I think I would go, like like I was saying, I, it's a tough call for me because it's, uh, there's so many interesting things to draw in this one. I think doing this story as a whole would be, it would either be a lot of fun or it'd be a huge pain in the ass because you've got to, it can be difficult to switch gears in the, in the middle of a story like that if you've got like five different locations and stuff to draw um but it can also be fun depending on how you look at it um the one thing i was going to ask was how do you feel about the end scene where uh barbara shows up oh that was so bad it was just oh you're working with bruce oh he's your new assistant okay kid stay out of trouble Mm -hmm. she walks away Mm -hmm. like she couldn't have you could have done a slight like don't pretend that I don't know what's really going on here, fellas. You know. Do you think that's not? Do you think that's not evident in the the way that she plays it, though? Because they play her very, you know, flat, and she's doesn't say anything. She just kind of looks at him. Like it's. I feel like it comes across, but I, I do think you could have a bit more fun with it. No, I, I think for a kids show, everything is so on the nose. Why would you suddenly that's get true. really coded? Yeah. With, it, with everything, I, you know. I did actually think for a second that the animation froze <laughs> because it's just <laughs> she's just kind of yeah. standing there, glaring with no sound or anything, no dialogue from anybody. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that there hasn't been more Barbara. But uh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's maybe it's the right amount so far. I'm not sure. We're almost done with this season, yeah. by the way. We've this is a fairly short season. It's only 13 episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's nuts, man. What would you uh, what would you rate this one? Hmm. I'm at a three out of five again. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I feel really bad. I, I like to give uh, people more variety in, in in this, and it's just like I enjoy it. I do. I like it, but it's just not nearly as good as uh, as I was hoping. It's just missing that deeper element that Batman, the animated series, had at least every other episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one has a bit of <clears throat> like centering the villain on high school. These these last two centering the villains on on high school related things where whether it's uh the um highlight team <coughs> Jesus, excuse me. The highlight team uh doing drugs and and robbing stuff or the uh uh school counselor being a secret insane bad guy. Again, it, it has a bit of that Buffy the Vampire Slayer flair to it that I like, um, yeah. but yeah, it's they're they're it's fine. I would probably say three. Yeah. I, I mean, I was probably a little harsh on the last one. I would probably say that one's also a three. <laughs> they're fine. Yeah, uh, not blowing me away, but um, but yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, we'll try to think of something more fun to joke around about last next time instead of. Uh... <laughs> Maybe we'll talk more about A-Track players. Yeah, there we go. We'll, <laughs> we'll move up. Maybe we'll talk about the Zune next time. Or uh, Neil Young's po- yeah. Pono player, which was came and went very quickly. Um, so we've got yep. three episodes left in this season. And so mm-hmm. I think what we might do is just bleed over between seasons. So the next two episodes are Disappearing Ink and A Touch of Curare. And I, so I think after that, we'll just do the final episode of season one and the first episode of season two as our as our next episode. So, um, wow, no season one wrap up, huh? Do we usually do that? I honestly don't remember. 
I thought we did, but I, we don't need to now. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we could, if you don't want to do that, I mean, we could do, a, the, so the last episode of season one is called Ascension. We could always do just that episode and then talk about the rest of the season, talk about the season as a whole in that episode. Yeah, yeah why don't we do that? What the hell? So you better well, come yeah, prepared. Works, better bring your gay game for yep. that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Um, all right, cool. that's going to do it. Thank you guys. If you want to help support the show, <clears throat> you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. The Penske file is sort of our uh, podcast umbrella corporation, if you will. Uh, fewer zombies generally. And uh, we, uh, we have a couple badass things on there. Sean and I talk about the Batman. <clears throat> and as well, we talk about our upcoming White Knight Red Hood ser- uh, miniseries. It's coming out in July, which is closer and closer every day. Uh, so if check that out. It'll be much obliged. Hopefully you'll be uh, attacked by bleeding cool really oh, soon. Oh, God, can I, can't, feel my... I can't wait to be taken out of context and, and smeared <laughs> across the, the the internet tubes. Well, uh, the trick is to say a lot of dumb shit on podcasts and then Yeah, you just, just got to flood the airwaves. And so <laughs> there's just so much. You bury them in paperwork and then they can't, they can't ever find the thing. You know? um, exactly. Yeah. But thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Sean, for joining me as always. And uh, we will see you next time with Disappearing Ink and a Touch of Curare. Bye. Bye.